Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we'll be doing a double feature by looking at both the 1942 film Saludos Amigos and the 1944 film The Three Caballeros. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impression of the overall film and the songs from the film. We will be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy the episode. So first things first, let's talk about Saludos Amigos. Saludos Amigos is Spanish for greetings, pals. It is a 1942 American live action animated package featurette produced by Walt Disney and released by RKO Pictures. It is the sixth Disney animated feature film and the first of the six package films produced by Walt Disney Productions in the 1940s. Set in Latin America, it is made up of four different segments. Donald Duck stars in two of them and Goofy stars in one. It also features the first appearance of Jose Carioca, the Brazilian cigar-smoking parrot. Saludos Amigos premiered in Rio de Janeiro on August 24th, 1942. It was released in the United States on February 6, 1943. Saludos Amigos was popular enough that Walt Disney decided to make another film about Latin America, The Three Caballeros, to be produced two years later. And that's sort of a loose sequel to Saludos Amigos. At 42 minutes, Saludos Amigos is Disney's shortest animated feature to date. I have a little background information here about uh, the whole reason that Saludos Amigos was created, but to sum it up, there were Latin American countries that had close ties to Nazi Germany. And so Disney, along with Nelson Rockefeller, who was the coordinator of the Inter-American Affairs Department of the government, took a trip down there with 20 composers, artists, technicians, etc., to South America. Uh, mainly to Brazil and Argentina, but also to Chile and Peru, or Chile and Peru. I'm not really positive I said that correctly. The film was actually granted federal loans to be made, Um, so I couldn't find anything about the budget, about the movie, just that it had... Yeah, it's, you know, what Jason's saying is that it's part of a goodwill tour, basically. Yeah. Was what this was. Yeah, this was during World War II, and, you know, America wanted to shore up everything with its neighbors before getting involved fighting the Nazis. And also a little background information. Many um, American viewers were surprised by the contemporary images that they saw in Latin America during the live action sequences with the modern Latin American cities with skyscrapers and everything. Apparently the audience assumed people in Latin America just lived in huts and everything. But no, they're like people everywhere else. They build buildings and they have very nice buildings and Yeah, 
but it, it, it's good to learn that I guess this film it's did so f- fascinating to me too because like that that's not doesn't seem that long ago like for people to have that idea yeah you know I don't know you think about it it's the 1940s so the people who are in their 30s 40s 50s they were educated in the 1910s or earlier so I guess they they would have probably had a backwards image of Latin America but whatever so the film is directed by Norman Ferguson Wilfred Jackson Jack Keeney Hamilton Lusk and Bill Roberts the story is by Homer Brightman William Cottrell Richard Humer, Joe Grant, Harold Reeves, Ted Sears, Webb Smith, Roy Williams, and Ralph Wright. The film is, of course, produced by Walt Disney and stars Fred Shields as the narrator, Jose Oliviere as Jose Carioca, Pinto Colvig as Goofy, June Foray as Pedro, Clarence Nash as Donald Duck, Stuart Buchanan as the flight attendant. Uh, It also has Lee Blair, Mary Blair, Norman Ferguson, Frank Graham, Frank Thomas, and Walt Disney all as themselves. They were the artists that, you know, traveled down there. The music is by Paul Smith and Edward H. Plum. As I said before, the box office numbers are unknown because of the federal loan guarantees. Excuse me, the budget numbers are unknown because of the federal loan guarantees. But the box office earnings were 1.135 million, including worldwide rentals, which I forgot to convert over to what today's money is, but pretty good earning. I'll just go with. The film was nominated for three Academy Awards in 1943. Those three nominations were Best Musical Score, Best Original Song for Saludos Amigos, and Best Sound Recording. And now we're going to dive into the plot, I guess. So first things first, once again, we were giving a warning about negative depictions and stereotypes. Always There's about- also the tobacco warning. So. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I watched this one on my TV, on my Disney Plus app on my TV, and the warning came up that way. But in the next film, when I was watching it on uh, my computer, it came up like sideways and it was just flashing. Like a Yeah, that's how warning. mine always comes out. It comes up flashing on the side. Hmm. So I watch this on a computer. Hmm. That's interesting. But um, diving into the plot, we see a group of Disney animators make a goodwill trip to South America. And this is documented in live action. And the animated segment details the places that they visit. So they really love that map thing that they yeah. do a lot of the time in these films that we've been watching. Yeah, with the names of the locations. As we yeah. previously established, that's actually how the world looks. If you fly up high enough, you see the names of, of the locations written there. That's how they got the names. It's just weird because most of these places were discovered by boat. Must have been a very high crow's nest, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's divided up into, I believe, four different segments, I said. Yeah, it's divided yeah. into four segments, the first being Lake Titicaca, and that's Donald Duck visiting the uh, famous Lake Titicaca located at the border of Peru and Bolivia. He looks around, learns of the lake's traditions, and makes a failed attempt at sailing a boat before setting off through the mountains on top of a llama. 
And I wrote down here, educational and humorous. That's what I wanted to say before. This, this film felt very educational to me. Yeah. And I think that, I think that is what, not so much the three caballeros, but definitely this film is very educational and kind of meant to show the American audiences, I think, yeah. what Latin America looks like. Yeah. It's interesting too, um, with the uh, depictions of things you saw in live action, the people of these uh, countries walking around and every, like living their everyday lives. But every time they showed an animator drawing them, they put those water bowls on their head for some reason. Like just, uh, I was like, that's like, none of the people are wearing that. Why do you have that in your animation? But that's neither I here mean, nor there. I think if you, you know, we'll get into it at the end of this because there's some things that, uh, yeah, it's very, there's some issues with how some stuff is depicted in right. this film in general. And while I was looking things up, I found some pretty not so great things that, mm some of the countries involved had to say. Okay. All right. Well, we'll dive into that as uh, when we get to it. So Donald Duck panics when the llama is busy walking across a wooden suspend, uh, suspension bridge, eventually resulting in his fall. He lands in a pottery shop, shattering some of the pots and taking others with them. I wrote down that this segment is all right. The educational parts were interesting to me, but the humor fell flat and I gave it a four out of 10. Yeah, I would agree with that. It wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. It wasn't very funny. I mean, I think the llama was funny. Llama yeah. was great. Love yeah. the llama. But, you know, for it being Donald Duck, I expect more anger and more like Donald Duck. You know, Donald Duck's known for being angry. I expect a lot of anger yeah. and like humor out of him being angry. But that's not what we got. No, that's not what we get really in these early films with Donald Duck anyway. That's not Donald's thing. Yeah. You're right. It, uh, he's just sort of uh, confused all the time. Like he's kind of an, a bumbling idiot. Yeah. yeah. Confused, bumbling idiot and loves pretty women is Donald's personality. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong about that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we get there, but yeah, a little later on in the episode. So we briefly cut back to another live action segment. And the only note that I wrote down for this was seeing people smoking on an airplane. Wow. I didn't even take note of that, but like, you are correct. Yeah, it was one of the artists. He just had a cigarette. He did the whole holding. I just covered my mouth while talking. He did the whole holding it sideways in his hand while smoking. And then he had his pen or whatever he was drawing with in the other hand. And oh boy, I was like, oh, just, just seeing someone smoking in a film period, but seeing them smoke on an airplane specifically. That's yeah, that's a little... Yeah, it takes you back. Not well, not, not, we not takes you back, but yeah, it's like, wow, this is out of the past. The next segment is called Pedro. It is about a small anthropomorphic child plane, Pedro, who lives in Chile with his mother and father, large airplanes who, who deliver mail. When they both are incapable due to technical defects, Pedro is forced to embark on his first journey in their place, picking up the post from Mendoza. His flight is perilous and dangerous, and he is nearly killed in a storm near Iconcoea, I believe is how it's said. Um, I think that's how it's said. I had yeah. a hard time with that one too, so. Which I didn't look, I should have looked it up. In fact, I could do that right now. I want to know if it really does have a face on it like that. It doesn't seem to. Well, that's disappointing. 
That's a bummer. Yeah, I thought maybe it was like one of those old world wonders or something. It is the largest mountain in the Western Hemisphere, they said in the film. But yeah, that's disappointing. I had hoped it actually had a face in it like that. His flight is perilous and dangerous, and he is nearly killed in a storm near Akon Kauea on his way back, but manages to make it back victorious in the end. I have two notes here. The first is that the film inspired Chilean cartoonist Rene Rios Bordiguer. I'm not, I, I, I'm saying his name. Bordiguer, I think. Bordiguer, okay. To create Condito. One Condorito. La- Condorito. Oh, yeah, like Condor. Bird. Yeah, Condorito. Yeah. Okay, Condorito. One of Latin America's most ubiquitous cartoon characters. Rios perceived that the character Pedro, small, a small incapable airplane, was a slight to Chileans and created the comic that could supposedly rival Disney's comic characters. Yeah, good for him. And this him. is what I was saying when mm-hmm. I was saying that some people found a lot of this to be kind of offensive, it's this particular one with the Chileans, because I had the note about Condorito as well. Yeah, I, I didn't pick up, pick up on that. I don't, I don't know much about Chilean culture. I don't think we were meant to pick up on it. Yeah. I, I think if I didn't know that, I wouldn't think anything about it too much, but I could understand why a Chilean watching this might take offense to that, given the nature of like knowing that information and taking that in context, I can Mm. see what they're saying, but I don't think we as modern day Americans would like, I don't think we're supposed to notice. Yeah. My other note here is that Pedro is cute, but the segment is kind of boring. So I gave it a three out of 10. My favorite thing about Pedro is when he's slurping up the gas. Yeah. Out of a little like bottle. Right at Pedro the very beginning. Pedro is adorable. Yeah. This is an awful segment though. So you're right. Three out of 10. Yeah. It's not great. There's. I also. A, go ahead. Sorry. Especially when you take into consideration the Condorito thing and taking, if that's all true, then mm-hmm. it's not a great segment. Yeah. I, I, I didn't write this down, but I also noticed there were a lot of continuity errors, uh, specifically when Pedro is flying with what wing, the, the um, what do I want to call it, his package that he has, um, not package, his... His bag. Yeah, his courier bag, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, what wing that's on, like, it constantly switches back and forth between his right wing and left wing without like him ever switching them. Like one part you see him flying and it's on his left wing, then cuts away from him for a second and goes back, it's on his right wing. It, it just surprised me how many continuity errors there were regarding that. Yeah. But the next segment is called El Gacho Goofy. And it is the character of Goofy reimagined as a Texas cowboy. And he is put to work as a, a gacho in Argentina. He works together with a trickster horse as the narrator explains the life of a gacho. So I will say here that, you know, they do show footage of Walt actually out on the planes kind of with gauchos and stuff. So Walt mm-hmm. is there, the animators are there. We do see that. Yeah. So they I'm have not a- sure this is the greatest picture of gaucho life, though, that we're no. seeing in animated form. You know, um, was it this was it this film or was it the next film that uh, a gaucho 
shows up and like he's kind of firing off his guns i think it's the next one i think it's the next one yeah Yeah. at first i was like oh that's stereotypical but then at the same time i was also like well yosemite sam does the same things in uh you know warner brothers cartoons i was like maybe it was just like that that's what they were kind of going for like an old western feel more so than just stereotype i'm not sure it was probably Maybe, because they are you know gauchos are texas cowboys like they're right. trying to blend those it could have been a little bit of column a a little bit of column b but life as a gaucho for goofy is strange it is harsh and tiresome not because of the living conditions but mainly due to the antics of his horse he has flown back to texas in the end to his gratitude and i wrote down the humor in this segment was better uh, maybe that's the difference between the characters of Goofy and Donald. Maybe if it had been Goofy going around and falling off of wooden bridges, it would have been funnier. You know what's interesting? Like, what if you flip them, right? Like, flip both of them. Make Donald the gaucho. Yeah. And make Goofy the one on the bridges and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I think Goofy's humor is much more set for things that are like environmental humor, where I think Donald's being annoyed about a horse and like having to deal with gaucho life would be much more appropriate to the donald we know who gets angry all the time agreed i agree with you i did enjoy the educational parts of this segment so i gave it a five out of ten yeah i think i'd still give it a four out of ten i don't really like this section either fair enough the next part is aguela do brazil and we see a paintbrush painting a beautiful rendered brazilian jungle which Donald Duck emerges from a flower at some point. While standing around, Donald sees the paintbrush create another figure, Jose Carioca. Jose takes Donald out of the jungle and into Rio de Janeiro, where Donald accidentally drinks an incredibly spicy drink, thinking it was soda, before spending the night going out and dancing to the samba in Rio with Jose. I noticed we got a book opening in this part, Uh, We did. It's a music book, but I think that counts. Uh, It had very impressive animation, in my opinion. The watercolors turned into moving animation. I thought that was done very well. And like the paintbrush swirling over the whole time. I thought that Jose, like when he finds out Donald Duck is Donald Duck, he's so like thrilled to meet him and he's so happy. Oh, I know. It's so great. And then Donald (laughs) trying to read, like to figure out what in the world Jose is saying. Yeah. And in my opinion, this has been the most entertaining segment of the whole of the whole film. I gave it a six out of ten. I would agree with that. Six out of ten fits. I, you know, I also think this is why we get the three caballeros because this is kind of the segment that would lead right into that. Agreed. The rest of this film has nothing to do with three caballeros. Right. So um, normally at this part we talk about the songs. I. I really, you know, didn't really notice them too much besides Saludos Amigos. I don't know if you want to go into them at all, Ashley. I mean, I could tell you right now, the most, all the songs I pretty much gave a four, 4.5 out of 10. Okay. They're not great. They don't really do anything for me. They're just, they're there. They're there to be a musical background more than actually function as songs. Okay. All right. So we'll just go into our overall scores then for this film. I wrote down that this is okay. The individual segments range for me. None of them were particularly 
particularly bad, but also nothing great. And I have some vague memory of these segments airing individually on the Disney Channel back when I was a kid, though maybe I'm just imagining that. I did find the educational bits informative, and the film ended with the most entertaining and high-energy segment, so I liked that. Though my overall score would be a 4 out of 10. Despite how short it is, some parts felt longer than they actually were, and I found myself bored and looking at my phone. So I do like the quality of the learning here in this movie, and I do like a lot of the segments, and I like the movie, but I think at the end of the day, The Three Caballeros definitely overshadows this as the better movie. Mm -hmm. So I would say like a 4.5 out of 10. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I would watch this, but if you're making me choose between one of the two, I'm going to watch Three Caballeros. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's dive right into that then. So The Three Caballeros is a 1944 American live action animated musical package film produced by Walt Disney and released by RKO Pictures. The film premiered in Mexico City on December 21st, 1944. It was released in the United States on February 3rd, 1945, and in the United Kingdom in March of 1945. It was the seventh Walt Disney animated feature film, and it marks the 10th anniversary of Donald Duck and plots an adventure through parts of Latin America combining live action and animation. This is the second of the six package films released by Walt Disney Productions in the 1940s following Saludos Amigos. It was also the first feature length film to incorporate traditional animation with live action actors. And I cut this out of my notes, but I also believe that this is technically the first Disney sequel. The Three Caballeros, received two Oscar nominations in 1946, Best Musical Score and Best Sound Recording. Again, just the nominations, they didn't win, which I'm not sure what came out in 1946, but that's probably fair. The film was directed by the supervising director, Norman Ferguson, and the sequence directors, Clyde Jeromini, Jack Keeney, Bill Roberts, and Harold Young. The story was by Homer Brightman, Ernest Terrazaz, Bill Sears, Pill Pete, Ralph Wright, Elmer Plumer, Roy Williams, William Cottrell, Del Connell, and James Bordrero. The film is, of course, produced by Walt Disney and stars Clarence Nash as Donald Duck, Jose Oliviere as Jose. It's going to happen every time. Jose Carioca. Jose Carioca. I'm going to leave that in there too, just so the people know what you have to deal with. Um, <laughs> Joaquin Garay as Pancho Pistols. Panchito. 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 I, I caught it that time. Uh, Panchito Pistols. Pinto Colgiv. Col- Colvig. Colvig. Yeah, as the... The Araquan bird. The Araquan bird. Thank you. Aurora Miranda as Yaya. It also has Dora Luce, Carmen Molina, 
I believe they were just like singers and background characters because they didn't yes, have they like, were famous singers and actresses if I remember correctly in yeah so they pre- appeared as Latin themselves America. um yes they played themselves okay Sterling Holloway as the narrator for Pablo and the uh the cold-blooded penguin Frank Graham as the overall narrator Fred Shields as the narrator for the flying Gachito. Gachito, thank you. Francisco Frank Mayor, Mayorga as the Mexican guitarist. Nestor Armal, uh, Trio Calaveres, Trio Asenio del Rio. Asencio del Rio. Asencio del Rio, thank you. Guada Hills player. Uh, I'm not sure if that was a character, if that was, I might have screwed up my notes here, but that's fine. And Carlos Ramirez as Mexico. That was what he was listed as. So that's what I wrote down. Uh, he was probably the narrator for the, the Mexico segment. I'm not sure. The music was by Edward H. Plume. Did I say Plume or Plum? Edward said Plume. Is a, yeah, it's Plum though, right? Edward, I think so. Edward H. Plum, J. Paul Smith, and Charles Paul Bo- J. Smith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, Paul J. Smith, Charles Wolcott, and Charles Wolcott. The runtime on the film is 71 minutes. And at the box office, it earned 3.355 million. And that's worldwide. So the plot consists of of several segments connected by a common theme. It is Donald Duck's birthday, and he receives three presents from his friends in Latin America. The first one is a film projector, which shows him a few animated scenes. He learns about a penguin that wants to live on a tropical island, a winged donkey, and a documentary on tropical birds. During the documentary, he learns about the Akuchin bird. Araquan. The Araquan bird. Throughout the film, the Araquan bird appears at random moments. He usually pesters everyone, sometimes stealing Jose's guitar uh, cigars. His most famous gag is when he reroutes the trains by drawing new tracks. So- uh, you know, I just, I want to say here, this is one of my favorite Disney movies. I used to watch this a lot growing up, so... Hmm. I'm definitely excited to talk about this. Also, can we talk about the fact that Donald Duck's birthday is on Friday the 13th, apparently? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I should have gone back and looked and uh, saw what you, uh, it was 1944 that it came out because um, it just said Friday the 13th. It didn't say like the month or anything like no, that. No, it didn't. So I wonder what Friday the 13th it could have been. Um, but yeah, that's that's his birthday, evidently. So. Uh, the first segment is about the cold-blooded penguin, and in, uh, involved a penguin uh, involving a penguin named Pablo. So it's about a cold-blooded penguin named Pablo. Uh, he is so fed up with uh, living in the freezing conditions of the South Pole, he decides to leave for warmer climates. And I wrote down that Pablo the penguin is adorable, and I love how he's tan at the end of the segment. It's very cute, and I gave it a six out of ten. This one has such good moments in some places. I love the main street that all the penguins live on. Mm-hmm. And I love uh, 
him cutting the thick fog, like literally just cutting the fog. And when they cross the equator and he literally lifts the equator line up to go under it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I enjoyed the site. It does have a lot of great humor. Um, the penguins living in igloos for some reason. Like, and it was clever of him to make, like, because he, he, he can't go any, like, every time he tries to leave, something happens that prevents him from leaving. Finally, he just saws the ice around him and makes that into a, sh- he, he makes it into a ship. Um, oh, it's so good. He, it's so, it's very cute, but all the animation's great. All the humor is great. I love mm-hmm. the two penguins that sick by his side the whole time. Like, our friend's a nut job, but yeah. we're here yeah. to support his dreams. And it's funny too, because like it ends, he's happy on this island, but he also is like looking at the photos of his friends. Like I miss my friends sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And the narrator, I think, says the grass is always greener or something like that. The grass is always greener on the other side. Like, yeah. Right yeah. that way, narrator. The next segment is the flying gauchito. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> it tells the adventures of a little boy from uh, Uruguay and his winged donkey, Burrito. Okay. It is believed that the donkey is modeled after the hefty Latin lover Don Juan de Gama. Gama. I wrote again, the flying flying donkey is adorable, just like how Pablo the penguin was adorable. And the segments seem to be more about entertaining stories from Latin America rather than educational ones like in Saludos Amigos. I gave it a five out uh, of 10. Oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. I would, I would agree. It's definitely, all these things are cute. And I think, you know what it is, is all these, these are the kind of things that definitely played on the Disney channel, like here and there, like little bits. Mm-hmm. These are much better segments. You're right. So I, get, I gave it a five out of 10. I wrote that it's cute, but nothing really that special in my opinion. Anything else you'd like to mention or? No, I mean, it, it's not one of my, it's not particularly my favorite segment. I like Pablo Penguin mm-hmm. better. And I liked a lot of the other segments, the music I like in all the other segments. Yeah. So I seem to have skipped over in my notes, the part about the Arcuan bird. Arcuan bird. The Arcuan bird shows up in between Pablo the Penguin and the Flying Gauchito. And basically okay. like, hold on, I have that right. Comes out of the movie and kind of sings his annoying song, like right, basically annoying the crap out of Donald, which mm-hmm. of course, yeah. So the next part, or the second present, is a book given to Donald by Jose himself, and it tells of Sal- Salvador, or as it's called here in the film, Bahia, the capital of. Bahia, I believe, uh, is because it has an H. Yeah. And it is one of Brazil's 26 states. So, you know, Jose appears in the book and Donald's gigantic because it's a book. So Jose shrinks them both down so that they can enter the book. They meet up with several of the locals who start dancing. Donald ends up pining for one girl. After the journey, Donald and Jose leave the book. I have more notes here saying Bahia uh, involves a pop-up book trip through Salvador, the capital of the Brazilian state of Bahia, as Donald Duck and Jose meet up with some of the locals who dance 
a lively samba, and Donald starts pining for one of the females, played by singer Aurora Miranda, who I believe is Carmen Miranda's sister, if I'm not mistaken. So here we have some of the songs. The first song that I heard was Bahia, and I wrote down that I grew up watching reruns of I Love Lucy on Nick at Night. And this song gave me some of the same vibes as the ones that Desi Arnaz would sing on that show sometimes. Usually uh, they were more fast paced, but occasionally he would sing a slow Latin song. And I know it's a different language and everything like that, but um, it just gave me the same type of musical vibes. Uh, And I gave it a six out of 10 for that song. I also gave it a six out of 10. And this song was stuck in my head for like days after the fact. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I just like this song a lot. Yeah. Well, the next song was Have You Been to Bahia? And that's sung by uh, Jose. And it is short and a fast-paced song. And I had to clarify to make sure that they were two different songs. I thought maybe the first one was just ending with this little bit. It's fine, but nothing special. Four out of ten. Yeah, I also have it as a four out of ten. Though I I do like the animation around it. I do like little train tracks and stuff and all that. And the Eric Wambird diverting tracks. All that's fun. It is. And the final song of this segment. Oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to attempt. Os Quindins de Yaya. And I actually, I wrote down in my notes that I don't speak Portuguese, but I could still get the vibe from the songs. Also, I found the blending of live action actors and cartoons to be done very well, especially considering this is the first time it was ever done. And Donald Duck wanting a kiss from Yaya was hilarious. I gave it a six out of 10. And here we see Donald and his uh, love of pretty women. Yes. Which apparently I was looking up, a lot of people didn't like that they made Donald's basically over-sexualized lover of women in this movie. He he does give off a little bit of rapey vibes. Yeah. I don't know. He definitely calms down a lot once Daisy shows up. Maybe uh, when when he didn't have a girlfriend, things were worse for Donald. I don't know. You know what's funny to me is... So they do have a ride at the Mexico Pavilion in Epcot at Disney World, and it is a boat ride featuring the three caballeros. And the mm. boat ride is literally Panchito and Jose looking for Donald. Mm. And where do you think Donald is? Donald's chasing after women the whole ride. Well, if it's like he's not doing things that he should be doing. It, it fits with the theme of the movie for certain. Um, yeah, it definitely it definitely sticks with it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can see where people get offended by it, but you know, it's the 1940s. They oversexualized a lot of cartoon characters back then. They still also. Over- can we talk about that man in the Yaya song playing music with a pencil? Oh yeah, on his teeth. Yeah, yeah that was that was impressive. Yeah, I don't know how he did that, but good for him. They but getting back, they still oversexualize uh, cartoons to today. Not so much the animation studios themselves, although you can make an argument with Mrs. Incredible, but there's a lot of rule 34s out there of different Pixar moms and everything. So, you know, they're giving the people the cheesecake that they want, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, diving back into this, I gave the segment score a five out of 10. I like Jose and Donald together, and I would like to see them do something today 
which after this ended, I, it recommended a uh, follow-up sequel to this from 2018 when I was watching it. it yeah, was, it's a series. Yeah, The Legend of the Three uh, Caballeros. I have watched it. It's odd, but hmm. it doesn't. It's, it gives out very DuckTales vibes, to be honest. Okay. Like, if you're looking for, like, DuckTales meets Woo-hoo. Three Caballeros vibes, Darkwing Duck, like, if you're looking for that oh. kind of vibe, go for it. Well, now you just struck gold with me. Darkwing Duck, let's get dangerous. You got me. Upon returning, Donald realizes that he is too small to open his third present. Jose shows him how to use magic to return himself to the proper size, which I thought I found it interesting that Jose refers to it as black magic, because usually black magic is associated with evil characters. And when I even looked up Jose's character profile, it had his special abilities listed as black magic, like not just magic, black magic. I was like, oh, okay. After opening it, he meets Panchito Pistoles, a native of Mexico. They take the name the Three Caballeros and have a short celebration. Panchito then gives Donald a present, a piñata. So first I want to talk about the song, The Three Caballeros. I wrote that it's fine. It went on a little too long, but the animation was entertaining. But it's not making my Disney playlist. Four out of ten. We're going to fight. it. Oh. <laughs> We're going to fight. This is my damn nine out of ten. I love this song. Okay, fair enough. I would die for this song. Perfectly fine. fight you is what's going to happen. How dare. Right now I'm glad. How dare. I'm glad we live in different states to to do this (laughs) podcast right now. You can't exactly get me through the screen. Panchito tells Donald about the tradition behind the piñata. Jose and Panchito then blindfold Donald and have him attempt to break open the piñata, which eventually reveals many surprises. The celebration ends with him being fired away by firecrackers in the shape of a bull. So one of the stories is Las Posadas, and it is the story of a group of Mexican children who celebrated Christmas by reenacting the journey of Mary and Joseph searching for a room at the inn. Posadas means inn, and they are told no posadas at each house until they come to the one where they are offered shelter in a stable. This leads to festivities, including the breaking of the piñata, which in turn leads to Donald Duck trying to break it as well. This is a very educational segment, surprisingly, Mm -hmm. considering the ones before this were not at all educational. No. But also, Christmas likes to sneak its way into every single one of these packaged movies. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. It, it released December 21st in Mexico City, so that kind of makes sense. I just, I just went back in my notes to check, but it didn't release until February 3rd in, 19, in um, the United States. So, I don't know. It kind of makes sense that it would have a Christmas thing for, for Mexico having it around that time. The next segment is called Mexico. I'm not even. Pats. Pats Pats Carrero. Pats Carrero, Veracruz, and Acapulco. I got got Veracruz and Acapulco. That's not the problem. Mexico. Pats Pats Carrero, Veracruz, and Acapulco. Uh, Panchito gives Donald and Jose a tour of Mexico on a flying serape. 
Several Mexican dances and songs are learned here. Donald seems to be a quote-unquote wolf to the ladies again and tries to gain their affection but fails. So the first song I have here is Mexico and it has different types of segments. At first, the song is set to changing watercolor paintings. Then Donald and his friends travel throughout Mexico. Uh, this is the live action segment that Donald and company travel across, a, uh, across on a flying serape. The song is good. I gave it a five out of 10. Uh, I gave it a four out of 10, okay. mostly because it just doesn't hit the same way a lot of the other songs do. All right. Not that it's bad, but no, I I, I, I don't, think all the other songs outshine it. I don't I don't really think any of the songs in this are bad. Um, that some of them just resonate more than others with me, and some of them resonate very strongly with you. The next song is Lilongo, and there was not too much to the song. It is very short, but I actually really enjoyed it. I gave it a six out of ten. Yeah, I can agree with that. Just. You know, it's a good song. Very short. Yeah. Six out of ten. That pretty much is spot on. And the next part is referred to as You Belong in My Heart. The skies of Mexico result in Donald falling in love. Or it, it's shown in the skies of Mexico. And it results in Donald falling in love with a singing woman. The lyrics in the song itself play parts in the scenarios as to what is happening as well. And it has, of course, the song, You Belong to My Heart. And I put that it's good, the sort of song that you would hear on the radio at this time period. And I think with a different version, like a more modern version, it would make my playlist. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Yeah, uh, I gave it a 5.5 5 out of 10. It's good. I, I do like the animated segments going on with the song, too. So, Okay. Finally, <laughs> we reach Donald's Surreal Reverie. A kiss, or several to be exact, lead Donald going to a phase of, into the phase of love is a drug. The scene is similar to the pink elephants on parade for being a major trippy scene. Donald. Yeah, I don't know what it is with Disney and their uh, trippy scenes, but. Hey, there's also, there's like a part where he's riding a female horse, but it has human legs. Mm-hmm. A little weird. Everything's awkward. Yeah, they like to put weird stuff in there every so often. Donald consistently envisions sugar rush colors, flowers, and uh, Panchito and Jose popping up in the worst of moments. The scene changes after Donald manages to dance with a girl. They dance to the song La Sandagora. The girl begins by singing the song with Donald quacking quote-unquote out of the the, out the rest of the chorus the drunkenness slows down for a moment but speeds up again when a mexican girl uses a conductor stick to make the cacti do just about anything while dancing (sighs) just jesuita and chihuahua chihuahua um, a Mexican Revolution trademark song. The scene is interrupted when Panchito and Jose spice things up, and Donald ends up battling a toy bull with wheels on its legs. 
The catch is that it's loaded with firecrackers and other explosives. The fireworks conclude the film. I mean, I just want to say that I love, I love the little Donald Duck shaped cacti mm-hmm. that are dancing. Those are my favorite. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting segment, uh, especially for the animation and everything. I didn't actually give this part an overall score. I guess because it went right into the end of the movie, I forgot to rank to score it, but I'd give it, you know, six out of ten, five out of ten, somewhere around there. Yeah, five six five out and ten. a half. I think all the cacti animation is very good. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Especially when they have a single human involved too with it. Like it's all just it's very good and organized and well mm-hmm. thought out. So since there were more of them and they were more clearly different songs throughout the film, I actually ranked them. So I have Bahia as my first song from the film. I gave it a six out of 10. Uh, you Belong to My Heart as my second six out of 10. Oh, the Yaya song. I, I, I apologize if there's anyone who speaks Portuguese listening to me try to attempt to say these words, but I'm just going to call it the Yaya song. That also had a six out of 10. Lilongo, I gave a six out of 10. That was my fourth rank. Uh, Mexico was fifth with five five out of ten. I just realized what I have last, so I started laughing. <laughs> have you been to Bahia? As um, four out of ten, and then the three Cabaneros came in last place as four out of you ten. You wound me. I'm sorry. Wound me. My Obviously, the three Cabaneros is the top of my list, followed by Bahia. Okay. And you belong to my heart. Uh, have you ever been to Bahia? And all the others are kind of, they're all there. Okay. So for my overall score, I said that it's an okay film. I don't believe that I'm its target demographic. I think this is more made for children it, uh, to be entertaining and slightly educational. The animation is good for the most part, with some parts of it being outstanding. The songs are just so-so, and I give uh, the film an overall score of a 4 out of 10. I'm biased for this film. As I've said, I really liked this film as a kid. This was one of my favorites. So for me, this gives me really good nostalgia factor. I love watching this movie. I love going on the ride at Epcot. I love singing the stupid song. (laughs) And I would definitely put it at like a 7 out of 10. Okay. I love it. It's one of my favorites. I don't think it's as good as like Beauty and the Beast or any of those like classic, classic, beautiful Disney movies, but I, this is a guilty pleasure. Okay. Anything else you'd like to say or? No, if you haven't watched this, go watch it. Okay. Fair enough. This has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to either our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. If you would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash once again pod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Mm-hmm.